Ethereum's monetary value started being less and less important to me, especially as a, I didn't have any wealth to preserve. And since I didn't care about preserving wealth, I was like, yeah, this is interesting to me. And I, 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 I sold all my Bitcoin for Ethereum in like March. Hey, I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Here I speak with DC Builder. At 20 years old, DC has already accomplished so much for the crypto industry as a researcher, analyst, and self-taught full-stack blockchain dev. He left university to dedicate an exciting career into the Ethereum ecosystem. Welcome DC Builder to Wholesome Crypto. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you again for uh, also taking the time out. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and yeah, you've done so much already in the crypto community. I've seen your writing and your articles and you know, I know that you're a full stack developer and in the crypto world, that's super needed and definitely something that everyone's looking for. But before we get into what you're currently doing and how you uh, how you're living your life today, let me know a bit about what you were doing before, you know, like how did you first even get into tech? Yeah, that's actually a funny story. Um, well, the, the tech one, the one how, how I got into tech was a bit earlier. It was uh, when I was uh, like 14 years old, so like six years ago or so. It was when our teacher at school taught us about like building sites with HTML, CSS, like basic website building. And so, yeah, I learned there and I found it that our resources or like the things that he taught us were pretty basic. And so I went online and then searched for more and eventually stumbled upon Free Code Camp, which is like a website that teaches people how to build websites. You know, you have like interactive uh, code editing mm -hmm. and you in real time what you're building within the site it renders the code that you're writing um, yep i've used i've used that before too myself to learn some html yeah. and css but yeah and so and so i did a, some front-end development for some time um i went up like you know like writing html css then javascript uh, react well react didn't exist at the time so we mm -hmm. had like jquery and uh some other things i don't remember so what year was this around that you started like first learning uh front end development 15 i was 14 yeah 2015 2015 wow oh yeah. wow that's crazy yeah. um yeah for me like i remember first getting a computer at home and seeing like a dsl modem to like get internet and like using a phone line for that stuff so it shows my age a little bit but <laughs> it's crazy like you get to quickly grow up with a computer and get right into it yeah i was i was a, i was a lot into games uh, like that was um i i always had like a computer or a, like a console i used to play a lot of the playstation 2 and then the yeah. wii like the nintendo wii mm -hmm. yeah those were my, my favorite consoles and i always played games like i played a lot of league of legends at the time uh, i never got into that one i was always like <laughs> yeah it's very addictive uh, i don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah i mean i was diablo 2 warcraft 3 type of guy so i yeah. i got my fix before <laughs> league of legends got too big <laughs> yeah 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 so that's like i, I was like in, on the computer all the time but playing games i wasn't like doing anything productive on the computer, <laughs> besides like some some school work yeah yeah well were you learning this at school thinking oh this is something i'm actually interested in or was it just like you're finishing your homework uh no there was just, this was just like pure curiosity because at school we only were doing like basic basic sites just like basic structure we didn't do anything more mm -hmm. uh in like it class and so i just found it interesting and so i was just like building these websites i i, I like the way that you could like design it like make it like functionality you know you click a button it shows like a pop-up or whatever so i just like found this interesting mm -hmm. And eventually I just like delve deeper into like watching videos on YouTube, like looking at what you could do with this, because I knew that web development wasn't the only thing, you know, I, I knew that 
someone had to create the games that I was playing. Yeah. That I was playing, or someone had to, you know, like program this elevator that I'm riding. You know, like for for going to this 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 uh, this story. You know, so like I, I just started looking at what what else could be done, and eventually, um, like this is. This is a little bit later, like two years later, after I started programming websites, I stumbled upon um, a presentation from um, Jensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how simulations in, in virtual reality could train a robot robotic hands to perform surgery yeah. on patients. And so I found this very interesting. So like the whole robotics, AI, ML thing, very interesting. So I, I started learning that. And I, I quickly realized that there was a lot of math I didn't understand. Yeah. I was in like the second year of high school. So I didn't have like a very good background with math. Like no no one does at that age. Yeah, almost. that's awesome. You're yeah. interested in it. Yeah, I just found it very interesting. And so uh, I decided to go learn the math that I needed to, to do those things. And so I went on Khan Academy, which is uh, an, a nonprofit in the U.S. that yep. teaches people math and physics and all, all of the subjects. Mm-hmm. And so I started learning some math there, you know, so like all the way up to um, calculus, you know, some some wow. some calculus, uh, then some multivariable calculus and linear algebra, which is very uh, which is a, yep. like a requirement for for ML, especially for representing data. You know, like data is represented as, as matrices, mm-hmm. and uh, all of these matrix operations are defined through linear algebra. So I had to learn all that. Then when I finished all of the courses that I needed in, in Khan Academy, I moved on to MIT OpenCourseWare. So MIT has, um, like the U.S. University has uh, a lot of uh, open public co- content for people. Yep. So I started doing those courses there. So it was like an expansion of the things that I already knew. And I also did some ML courses on platforms like Coursera and edX. Wow. So a lot of so, a lot of your educations through the internet, huh? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess school wasn't like, that helpful. Yeah, almost everything that I learned or that I know or that I use nowadays has has been learned online. I, I learned like the basics, you know, like cultural things, you know, like art, culture, like history, uh, mm-hmm. geography. All, all of this I learned through school. Also, like some basic English. I started learning English like at five years old. It's my third language. What, so languages, just for what languages do you know? Uh, so uh, I, I was born in the Czech Republic. Okay. And so Czech is my native language. But I'm also half Cuban. Okay. And so uh, I, I, I learned Spanish as well. And then when I was five years old, we, we moved in to, to Spain. And so like most of my upbringing was in Spain for like from five years old to okay. 14 years old. So Czech and Spanish are like my native languages. And English was taught at school. So English eventually became the main thing because uh, I, everything that I was learning was in English. And uh, I eventually started thinking in English because it was more, more convenient. And I wanted to learn the language more. So I just decided to willfully start thinking in English. And whenever I didn't know how to think of this thing, I just like looked up the, the term for it. Yeah, so, yeah a lot like, of coding if, is all the like yeah, English language. Consu- yeah, and cons- consuming a lot of content on YouTube. I think that's the, the thing that improved my English the most, just listening to other people speak constantly mm-hmm. and just like thinking about it. Eventually, like my speak- speech as well started to look more like the people that were speaking instead of just having an accent. Yeah. Your accent's great. I mean, I, I could barely notice that English yes. wasn't your first language. Yeah, some people can, can say that I'm like Eastern European-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have friends that can tell the difference, but yeah, like mo- mo- most people do not do not like, 
tell right away that I'm from a specific country. Yeah, and so I uh, started doing this AI ML things, just like building some models, you know, with TensorFlow and Python. So I learned Python uh, for for doing ML uh, because um, uh, it's used like it's it's used a lot across data science and machine learning. There's a lot of tooling built in Python and, and libraries that are built in Python. So you know, like started yeah. learning Python, then uh, pandas for for data manipulation. Some data visualization libraries, you know, like Matplotlib, Seaborn, and then some simple machine learning libraries like Scikit-Learn, which is like the basic one that you learn at first. Mm -hmm. Then I started getting into some more more involved libraries like TensorFlow. Um, you know, so yeah. I, I did some of that. I did some uh, deep level of YouTube. You know, some I I, I got an internship at a at a company where I did some. Um, what do you call this? Uh, I forgot the name for the word. It's visual recognition. Yep, visual okay. recognition. So. Okay, yep. facial tracking and stuff like that. Term. What? Like facial tracking too? Uh, uh, not that, but a subset of. Uh, so the, the the space is called uh, computer vision. Okay. So anything regarding like analyzation of images. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. And so at the company, uh, we had a client that was uh, like a farming company, and so they had to count how many uh, wheat uh, plants were on a field, and so uh, I had to build a model that just classified uh, up, um, like counted how many weed strands were in the field and like calculate sort of the density of, of, of how many weed strands are per meter squared and things like this and, and so I was building like these models along with the with the CEO who like uh, it was just like a small company it was yeah. him some two other people and, and me and so I just le started learning from him because he has a he was uh, studying mathematics and he was very into ML at the time. So he taught me like most of the things that I was doing. Nice. Yeah. So, so I was doing that for a while. So was like agriculture any part of your interest, or was it just like yeah, I, I just love? Like yeah, it was just like uh, I had an internship and I could uh, apply the skills that I was learning online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I make some some money on, on the side. Nice. Wow. So yeah, I guess growing up, you're you're really working on just self learning, self teaching figuring yeah, out yeah. how to excel in what you love and that yeah, was just it was just pure curiosity at this yeah. point yeah <laughs> that's awesome i mean that's what always <laughs> leads people to different like that's like a passion project you know like your yeah, passion sure. can actually guide you into a whole new career path mm -hmm. and that's awesome yeah. that you did that like i i learned from um because i was a lot into self-help at the mm -hmm. time uh so i i was um pretty um hooked on video games and i started <laughs> i started like having problems like you know, like real life problems with that you mm -hmm. know like you you you, you have your your eyesight get, gets worse you stop exercising things like that and so i tried to to, to get better mm -hmm. and so i just started learning and people just said to me it's like try different things i was like yeah, sure. It's like I was trying different things that I liked and like my curiosity drove me pretty much. And that's like the thing, because it sounds like you have a um, very, I guess once you're interested in something, you kind of just go all in. And yeah. now that you're, uh, I guess, moving from video game, video gaming to learning how to code machine learning uh, languages and AI, was that like your new vice? Was that what you're yeah for just sure hooked on. Yeah, yeah i tried to play as little games as uh, uh, as i could mm -hmm. and whenever i had the urge to play for example like league of legends i just watched the stream instead of playing myself because uh, it, it's less less toxic you know when, when you're in the yeah. game you're actually involved in the game and so when you're you losing, can't look you're away yeah. yeah and so when it's happening to someone else it's you can laugh at that right like <laughs> someone is mad but yeah you know, like, like he's losing the game you know so it's like that was like sort of the thing that helped me cope with, with whenever i had an urge to play mm -hmm. 
And it was also funny, you know, like people also make these like shortened videos where they like do a recap of everything with funny moments and things like that. So like that, that was like my coping mechanism whenever I needed to play. Nice. Well, that's good that you found something that works for you. And yeah, for me, yeah. video gaming was a big part of my life, especially in high school and uh, middle school. Like I'd wake up 6 a.m. Yeah. in the morning just to like see if my <laughs> items have sold overnight. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Well, at one point, I think I got like um, scammed or hacked or something, and I lost all my my whole account. Like I lost everything I worked I worked so hard for. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is just I hate this. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm done. So yeah. my my way out was just getting hacked, and I was like, it's not worth it. But I still play yeah. games time to time. I'm like maybe like play CS:GO or something. That's a quick 20 minute fix and I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I also play some games with friends now, especially like friends from crypto Twitter. I'm also mm-hmm. part of uh, Wife is Anonymous, which is a group of people that are either anonymous or pseudonymous, and we enjoy um, anime and manga. Mm-hmm. And so we just oftentimes like, just get together in a game and play together for a while. That's awesome. So yeah, we're, we're also, we've also been playing like CSGO and, and League sometimes, just like a few games. But yeah, like, just for fun, to kill time. So then how, how did you first like hear about Bitcoin? Like, did someone tell you about it or did you find it on your by yourself uh, this is actually the funny story where where i got in crypto for the tech <laughs> I mean, that's so, a good reason that's that's why yeah. it should be not for the yeah, money I was, like, I was 17 at the time it was 2018 early 2018 mm-hmm. and so um I, I was watching this channel called three blue one brown it's a mathematics channel it's mm-hmm. about math and it has a lot of visualizations of like how does the the these concepts actually look and you know like the visualization of these for example what is a derivative right uh, a derivative is just uh, uh what's the slope at a function at this specific time so he would just like draw these crazy illustrations that illustrated in, in a way that it's very comprehensible and so one day he just published uh, a video on like what is bitcoin and, and cryptography and how does it work so i just click on the video because it's a video from one of my favorite youtube channels and gotcha. so I, I started learning about this so that's where when i heard uh, when i first heard of uh, like what's proof of work what's cryptography what are hash functions you know what's why is this important and what is bitcoin and how it, it, it came to be wow that's the first time you ever heard, heard of bitcoin yeah. like not even the news or the media or anything that uh, uh, well, I, I did hear something on okay. the internet, but I didn't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like people were talking about money. I was like, uh, I'm I'm 17, you know, like, I have like $500 <laughs> in my bank account. like everything that I have. You know? <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, was like, uh, yeah, this was the first time that I heard of Bitcoin. Yeah. And then what happened? So you heard about it. You're like, oh, this is pretty interesting stuff cryptography is yeah, pretty so, cool and then yeah, he made a sequel video uh, about like learning teaching hash functions and how hashes work you did uh no he did oh he did okay. uh, one brown yeah and so i just like started learning a little bit and then i like the usual it's a rabbit hole right so i just started <laughs> googling more like uh, yeah. searching on youtube for more videos and eventually stumbled upon uh, the ivan on tech uh, youtube channel which um it's actually a funny story because that's how I got my first job. <laughs> wow! So I was watching. I was watching Ivan's streams. Uh, he, he did a stream uh, every single day at eight p.m. Uh, eight a.m. Central European time. And so uh, since he he's in Sweden, right? And um, it's the same time zone for me. So whenever I went to school, I was uh, I, I got a train, right? So I, I live in a small village, mm-hmm. and I always had to take a train, or I ha- had to take a train like uh, uh, an hour and a half to school. Wow. Each day. And so whenever I was uh, in the train, I downloaded the, the episode from the day before and watched it on the phone on the way there. 
because it was just like interesting That's right perfect. i was just learning more yeah and so I, uh, whenever i had the time i was i was either watching it or like reading some articles online whenever i had time whenever i wasn't in school or, or with friends Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, uh, that's how I started learning more. So then, like, you know, I started learning about Ethereum. What is Ethereum? You know, like, what is what is Monero? What is uh, like all of these coins that were popular in 2018? You know, like XRP. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> XRP. Yeah. Litecoin. Yeah, Nano and like all these Ethereum killers that came to be. Lisk, like, good times. Yeah, also like uh, <laughs> Ethereum Cash. You know, like uh, no, Ethereum, um, Ethereum Classic, like the fork from the DAO. That was it. Intense yeah. time. Yeah. So all of this was like new to me, right? And I just started learning. And Ivan, since he did like these market covers and explained the concepts mm-hmm. in a fun way, I just started learning and consuming it passively. And uh, yeah, after a year and a half of watching his streams or so, so it was uh, like summer of 2020, he posted a, um, um, a joke posting in his YouTube channel. Of, he was looking for altcoin researchers. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I applied uh, and eventually got the job after an interview. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I was doing front-end development work. So I was doing a, another internship at a company. And at the time, I was building uh, sites in React. Okay. So I was doing like some React, Next.js uh, sites. And uh, yeah, and so I applied for the job. I got it. So I quit the internships that I was on and uh, started working, writing articles about different altcoins and like measuring their potential, you know, like talking about the project, what were they doing? And so this is how I started working in blockchain. It wasn't full-time, it was very part-time. Yeah. And, uh, You're just looking yeah, up coins and like writing about them, just yeah, a brief summary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this was just when I finished high school, the summer of 2020, I just like the, the month before, like in June, I finished high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was expected to go to university, right? And so uh, I applied to a computer science program in Prague. Nice. University, mm-hmm. and so I started learning computer science there. And so I didn't have a lot of free time, you know. And I saw the, the crypto markets pumping a lot, you know, and a lot of missed opportunities. I don't have time, yeah. It's you know, hard, like to, uh, it's yeah. the worst emotional roller coaster yeah. ever. Is like, oh no, I missed it, or I got into it, then you lost, yeah. That. Wow, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're making me feel like flashback of trauma just watching <laughs> the roller coaster rides back in 2017. Yeah, so uh, I was in, like, I was very active during crypto summer um and DeFi summer especially mm-hmm. I, I i was an early follower of, of bankless of the bankless guys yep. so the podcast I, I i i was in bankless before the podcast even started when it was nice. just a new so i got like the pull app uh like the 2020 bankless pull up and i watched like all of the bankless podcasts so i knew about compound before they released the token and like about uniswap i used all of these applications and i even also talked about them often and so i used all of these applications and eventually got the airdrops for most of them on several nice. different addresses and so uh, this was like i didn't have any money then and so like these airdrops were like how i got started pretty much it's like i got scammed uh in june of 2020 nah, shoot. sorry like, i wasn't very uh it wasn't a lot of money but for me like it was a lot at the time it was like 1k 1k us yeah, that's a lot and yeah. that's also also getting a scam this is a all terrible my feeling all my savings as a student you know like as yeah. a high school student that's yeah so, <laughs> i was devastated uh but uh eventually i got new private keys and uh started using these protocols and got the airdrops so like those like like that's how i started again was uh, it with, was it uh i guess someone like 
hack your account or like a bad website you've connected your wallet uh, to? I just, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, a bad MetaMask account uh, where uh, where I, I connected my like I, I didn't I always had a hardware wallet and mm -hmm. so I I don't know I don't remember exactly how but I somehow thought that it was the real MetaMask app and I typed in my my seed phrase for uh, uh, the ledger instead of the MetaMask and so they got like everything from from that. Oh man. Yeah. So that 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 sucked. But uh, okay. it lesson learned. Time. you know it was like i had a job you know like yeah i can i can like sustain uh, a little bit of like uh, because I, I still lived on with my parents i, I still live with my parents currently mm -hmm. so it's just uh i just got some money that i can spend on things that i want and the rest is just fine you know it's like i don't really care it wasn't that much at all and so i eventually got the airdrop so i got started with DeFi, you know like using these protocols learning and so that's sort of like how i got started in crypto right so i, I just eventually from like these two years of watching Ivan, I already knew how to use dApps. Uh, I knew a little bit of Solidity because he ran this um, Ivan on Tech Academy. Mm -hmm. Now it's been rebranded uh, to Morales Academy, like with everything that, uh, I, so I work currently at Morales. Like it's the company has been rebranded a lot from Ivan on Tech Academy to Morales Academy and then Morales, oh, which is a, okay. yeah. It's the same company. So Morales is, yeah, Morales is a web three development company. So we build tooling for developers to build uh, decentralized applications. Mm -hmm. We build the infrastructure, right? Instead of, querying the data yourself from an RPC node, you use a Morales server, and that has indexed data on a database, which you can query from our APIs. So okay. that's sort of like where I work at currently. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how I got started, you know, like just playing around with DeFi. Uh, eventually I looked into some NFTs and it was like, it was like in December, 2020. Uh, eventually Ethereum gas fees started spiking, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it was like, 25 GUI, which is kind of a lot because the first time I used Ethereum was like five GUI or like four GUI. So the transactions were very cheap. It was supposed to be cheap. That's the whole like advertisement yeah. of Ethereum. Like, ah, oh, cheap transactions, yeah. less than Bitcoin. Now it's way yeah. more. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And so these new chains started to, to come up, right? So you had like BSC, which was meant to kill Ethereum. And it was like Polygon, <laughs> US, XDAI, uh, some other side chains. And EOS too. That was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used all of them uh, at the time. Yeah, and also Tron and uh... <laughs> so many Ethereum killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also wrote, wrote articles about these uh, like protocols and uh, applications in the in the Alchemy report. So like whenever something new came up or uh, uh, I, I viewed a, a new protocol or something, something like this, uh, I, I usually researched it and wrote about it in the in the report. So that's sort of how, how I came to be, like how I learned the basics, uh, how I learned the basics of DeFi, NFTs, uh, interactions with dApps, a little bit of building. You know, I already had the, the background in front-end development, so that, that wasn't a problem, but yeah. I learned a lot of Solidity. I learned a little bit of how to use tooling like uh, Truffle or and Ganache, which are tools used to test uh, on, on a local host locally. You know, you, you get a local blockchain on, on which you can deploy smart contracts and play around with them, right? And so, yeah, eventually the Altcoin report turned into uh, the blockchain review, okay. which is a less speculative uh, version of the same product. So we're just rebranded as the tech uh, review. So it's just like reviewing blockchain events and protocols instead of yeah. giving non-financial financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. That's the I guess what people always like get so hooked on is how how do they make money? Where's the money at? Where's the yeah. market trend? Like it doesn't matter. It's like the tech is what's important. Yeah, yeah. So eventually we branded to that, and I, it was also <laughs> around the time that we like Ivan pivoted from uh, being a, um, like a YouTube person, like a YouTube personality, to a builder. 
Okay. So he was also always a builder. He, he had the academy and taught a lot of people like the basics of Ethereum, how to build smart contracts, all of this. But uh, he wanted to, like uh, the people at Morales or like the Ivan and Tech uh, people wanted to build uh, something for, for the community and for like the space. And so they eventually came up with the idea for Morales. So that's how sort of it got started. And that had an influence in, in us as, our, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So we started like caring more about the tech, you know, like uh, I did a lot of uh, developer reviews of different protocols. You know, I went over smart contracts, talked about them. So your job was really to stay as agnostic as possible with yeah. technologies. And yeah. I guess I guess from what you uh, write about today, is it seems like Ethereum's your favorite yeah. choice so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is, is it still like the only, is it, has it always been your favorite or did you like learn that it was your favorite like how did that become like yeah, it took some time to build uh, the conviction i have in ethereum mm-hmm. now uh, it, it took me time because i, I saw all these chains that came uh, and, and died eventually and like it was very uh, profit driven for most of them you mm-hmm. know like eos raised four billion dollars and yeah. you know like now, now these four billion dollars sit in an account doing nothing almost like there's no development there yeah. you know like these current um so how i came to liking ethereum more than others was just because of the community m- m- most mostly mm-hmm. um i started watching a lot of the the daily way videos uh, from anthony sasano yeah so he's an Ethereum educator. Uh, he built EthHub, which is a, um, um, a site that documents, or it's like a good documentation site for everything Ethereum. So how it works, uh, explains a lot of different concepts. They also have a good podcast, the EthHub podcast, where they review um, weekly news in Ethereum. And so the Daily Gway is just a, a podcast uh, and a newsletter that covers everything Ethereum that happens each day. So it, it he has like five, five uh, every weekday. He puts out an episode on just covering the news uh, in Ethereum. So I read, read and watch all, all of those content, yeah. uh, a lot of that content, and so that's sort of how I came to like Ethereum over other things because he he put the things uh, he put the the changes in a light that I understood. And when I saw what's going on in other chains, you know, like BSC, they just took the EVM and a chain with less validators and that are stronger. So it's just like compromising decentralization and security completely just for the sake of having more transactions because Ethereum was congested. You know, like nobody's going to pay $50 for a swap on Uniswap. So their logic was like, let's just spin up a a chain where the block size is bigger, transaction fees are lower. And and yeah, so like that's sort of like what I didn't like in these other chains. Eventually some more like intricate uh, projects came out like Solana or Avalanche. Mm -hmm. Like they already were there, but I, I didn't know about them at the time. Like during April, I started like looking at these other chains and they also like do compromise security to some extent. Uh, For, yeah, to make transactions like more yeah. fast, right? Because they're a little bit more centralized. Yep. Uh, for example, with Solana, they have uh, like a thousand validators, which all have very beefy nodes. So the nodes, uh, to operate a node is very expensive and this hinders the centralization, especially when the nodes have to keep upgrading the hardware yep. to keep up with the chain. And so this is sort of a thing that I don't like. Also their state uh, is not available in their full nodes. Uh, the state is like the archive state of the blockchain is in Google Cloud, as far as I know. <laughs> that's well, that, that's sort of what I know. Like uh, yeah. as far as I know, this is how it works. So you have yeah. like the recent state, which is, which is able to be queried by the by the node, but like the old state from the blockchain is archived and that's queried from an API that's provided by Solana. And I don't I don't remember where it's hosted, but yeah, like that's sort of how it works. Yeah, so that's a lot of um yeah, so you're doing a lot of research yeah. and understanding of all these different projects and mm-hmm. Ethereum seems like the still 
as a top contender for blockchains. Yeah. Long term, yeah, for long term. And and for at this time, I guess for Bitcoin, you were still seeing it as a monetary value, or was this yeah. just off um, your radar? Yeah. Time? So Bitcoin was relevant to me until like March or April, April 2020 mm-hmm. or so. Uh, no, 2021. Excuse me. So like March or April of this year. All right. Uh, so uh, around this time is when I discovered like the ultrasound money meme created by <laughs> yeah. Bankless. You know, so it was like uh, the deflationary supply with EIP 1559 and BOS uh, were. So proof of stake uh, has a 90% issuance uh, reduction in Ethereum inflation. So currently mm-hmm. Ethereum has 4% inflation to pay out to miners along with gas fees. And so these fees uh, will be redu- reduced by 90%, which is equivalent to uh, three Bitcoin halvings or so. Like that, that's sort of like, so Bitcoin is like 50% reduction, right? Yeah. So if you do 50% three times in a row, it's the same as doing 90% at once. All right, so this is one key aspect that I, I, I enjoyed. Then EIP-1559, which burns most of the fees that are generated by the network, yep. and uh, some other things. But if you couple these two things together, uh, it makes the supply of Ethereum deflationary, whereas Bitcoin has a hard cap, but Ethereum under these circumstances, so proof-of-stake plus EIP-1559 is deflationary or has a decreasing cap. So then, like, Ethereum's monetary value started being less and less important to me, especially as a, I didn't have any wealth to preserve since I wasn't wealthy at the time, mm-hmm. right? I didn't have much money. I, I just, like, I liked Ethereum more and yeah. the, the platforms we're building. And since I didn't care about preserving wealth, I was like, yeah, this is interesting to me. And I I, I, I sold all my Bitcoin for Ethereum in, like, March or, nah. or, 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 or like, yeah. Going all in. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I also had some like DeFi coins and whatnot. But yeah, like all my Bitcoin that I had, like long term storage uh, went into Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, so now that you're all into Ethereum, that's where you're working uh, as in um, you're doing your full stack development and research for Morales. Yep. So and- within Morales, mm-hmm. I only do research uh, okay. currently. So I do research and write about various different things. And the blockchain development thing span off of just like my personal projects. I have a lot of free time. So like you're in crypto full-time within Morales, but then like it's it's never just full-time, right? It's just, you're it's, putting many more hours. You're on Twitter. You're crypto's 24-7. It's not it's yeah. a nonstop job. Anyone that says, oh, I quit my day job to work in crypto, you, you just move from a nine to five to a 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much what what, uh, what I did, right? So I I, was, I do research there, but then uh, when I have free time, uh, I I try to transition to the to a full stack blockchain development role, mm-hmm. and so uh, I took on this mentorship from Ethernet DAO, uh, which is a DAO that turns Web two developers into Web three developers. Ah, cool. That's awesome. Right? So you're in this now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I already finished this, oh, but okay. uh, yeah. So uh, I uh, mentorship. Uh, I got was from uh, Austin Griffith. So Austin is uh, an Ethereum builder and he builds Scaffold ETH, which is one of the most important projects for blockchain developers. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, it's a scaffold, right? It's a template, which anyone can just uh, download and start building off of. And uh, what it allows for is to very easily interact with smart contracts you build. So you just deploy a local blockchain, you build a smart contract, and when you build a smart contract and deploy on the chain, the front end that Scaffold builds for you uh, uh, visualizes all of the functions that the smart contract has, all of the constants, all of the variables that you need. And so you can easily interact with the front end in order to interact with the smart contract that you've built. And this is like a very good tool. And so within um, 
Scaffold ETH, he, uh, the, the people that are building it have uh, various different branches with challenges to build with Scaffold ETH. So you can build like a simple AMM with, with Scaffold ETH. You can build uh, integrations with protocols like Aave or Uniswap. You can build a simple wow. NFT project. You can build uh, with oracles and Chainlink. You can build like various different things that the community builds, right? So it's making it easier for developers to just yeah. jump on, yeah, and, and try stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. and just hack around, yeah. So that's that's sort of how I, how I started transitioning from just basic front end development that experience that I had before, and uh, some solidity experience that I had from like the Avanonsec Academy and some online courses and some other things that I read. That's and so yeah, awesome. I went through the Ethereum Dev Speed Run, which is um, Austin's sort of like a pathway from like uh, somewhat experienced in programming to full stack blockchain development. So I went through this, like I built several different projects, like a multi-sig, an AMM, some other things. And so I currently finished this. And I currently am just building some uh, some pet projects, if you will, where mm-hmm. I'm just building cool, cool stuff that I, that I found online. I also I was also recently in Lisbon, in like a Lisbon. Uh. Oh, you were there? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I, I, with some friends, we built uh, an NFT project where we took uh, an NFT from someone, uh, like a user. The user logs into the platform. Uh, It was called Manifest. Mm -hmm. So the user logs into Manifest. He submits his NFT. And what we would do is we would take the image uh, from the metadata and submit it to a scalable press, which is an API for doing merge, automated merge. Okay. And so we generate merch for the NFT that you have. Cool. Okay. So yeah. So so yeah. So automatic merge generation, and this worked in a way where I took the image and I created an NFT of the image of the NFT that you're minting uh, a merge from. And whenever you burned the NFT that we created for you, you could redeem that burn for the merge. Right. So let's say that uh, an artist has an NFT and he wants to create shirts for his friends. So mm-hmm. he takes. Like he issues 10 NFTs out of his NFT and like gives those 10 NFTs to his friends. And then those were able to be exchanged for a t-shirt. To would, they, would they on, only be uh, 10 t-shirts allowed to be made? Or how would that work? Yeah, that, that's, that's up to the people. That's up to the person that owns the original NFT. So that sort of like was uh, being able to, you, you'd be able to choose from the UI. Like if you want to mint 10 or 100 okay. or whatnot yeah so it's pretty much you can't just upload and drag and drop a png file or something you have to use your yeah Yeah, because the nfts uh, are provably generated from the original nft so you need a signature from the owner wow you need to validate that the owner of the nft was the one that generated this secondary nfts it's sort of similar what uh what um fractional that art is doing Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I was recently on a podcast with uh, the OKX Insights team. So I w- it was me, uh, Andy8052, which is uh, the CEO and founder of Fractional Art, mm-hmm. and then the OKX guys. And so, yeah, we talked about like what Fractional Art is doing. So they're doing something similar, but just generalized, right? So you can fractionalize any, any NFT and turn it in either into ERC20 tokens, uh, ERC721s, or uh, ERC1155s. So you could just fractionalize NFTs any way yep, you want. Just, it's up to the community to create something off of that. So if I were to create the same platform today, I would just use fractional.art for the fractionalization step and then hook those NFTs to an API and build like a centralized sort of thing. Because it's centralized at the end of the day. It's You're dealing with merge and you need an address to send it to a yep. person. Yeah, so it's like a semi semi thing. Oh, you're in a lot of different projects, huh? Like, how do you keep track of all this? What do you What do you do to like, I guess, uh, 
take a break from crypto in your day like what hobbies or like exercises <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you can't break yeah, away free huh yeah it's like i do have some free time you know like i try to exercise and like go outside uh, if, but it's, it's very cold outside nowadays so yeah it's like, same here <laughs> i'm afraid to go outside i don't want to put on five layers of clothes yeah yeah so currently i'm just either building or uh, researching writing um, shit posting on twitter <laughs> one of my favorite pastimes yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think uh yesterday or two days ago there's a lot of drama going on on twitter yeah. about uh zoo saying something he's like yeah, zoo, yeah. abandoning crypto but yeah, abandoning uh, Ethereum. Ethereum, sorry, yeah, but yeah, he's not. So it was just funny seeing so many people posting worried about it. I'm just like, he actually the? did quit Ethereum to an extent. Uh, he like a lot of his capital went out, but yeah, like it's uh, you can see this on Twitter. He's like, yeah. like it's a lot of uh, drama around like why Ethereum is not scaling. You know, it's like I don't know why. You know, it's like there, there's a lot of people that have incomplete information and and give biased uh, opinions yeah like i'm also biased for ethereum for example like uh, i support ethereum more but uh just like i m there's many people that cannot rationalize their their own opinions and just mm -hmm. are uh, back biased exactly. so they just advertise wherever they have the most money into yeah so that's exactly like, what yeah. i wrote about i had a i just posted an article the other day about uh the called the blind men of crypto so you know looking at blockchain as a whole is what's most important like different technologies yep. different crypto projects working on making what they think is a better blockchain yep and no one's really well not nobody but most people aren't trying to be deceptive or trying to be greedy or trying to just take over the entire industry and there's no such thing as an ethereum killer or a bitcoin uh, killer or some one coin to rule everything it's just that's not how humans work that's not how innovation works people mm -hmm. need to have variety people need to try different things and even if it's someone doing their own blockchain it's just it's what they're gonna do and expecting i think everyone to migrate to one coin is unreasonable and just not going to happen and it's not a bad thing it's okay that it doesn't happen yeah. that's why we have bridges that's why we have interoperability and that's why we have different coins that do a really good job at one specific niche mm -hmm. yeah uh i understand uh sort of the multi-chain reality that we live in currently mm -hmm. just because it's pragmatic right uh ethereum currently cannot handle the load or the, the demand that's currently being uh, put into, onto it. Because we have a lot of new users mm -hmm. that are trying to use blockchains. We've been, a lot of them have been onboarded through NFTs and they want to trade, you know, they want to get these NFTs that, I don't know, you see people like, uh, I don't know, like basketball players that yeah. buy apes. And so- That's so funny to me. I'm like, why are you buying apes? Like, what do you, what's it to you? But- Yes, it's, it's the community, right? And it's so fun. whenever yeah, whenever whenever these people uh, like their their followers see this, they're interested in it, so they start learning about it, and now they see, oh, so he got it for for this, so let me get another NFT which is cheaper, and now they see, oh, but I have to pay like forty bucks just for the transaction, right? And so that's a bummer for for many new users, and and that's sort of like where this sort of um, problem arises that there's some real estate to be taken from Ethereum if you just spin up a chain that uses some uh, other consensus mechanism mm -hmm. and uh, has lower fees. Uh, but this is still uh, a trade-off that many people take. I'm fine with the trade-off. Like if you know that you're taking a trade-off and that you don't care as much as about security and decentralization, but you want these NFTs to be cheap, to mint and to trade, then yeah, I'm all for it. You can use Solana, which is a, a pretty popular NFT marketplace. You can use... 
avalanche where, that has a lot of uh, forks of different DeFi protocols and Ethereum for cheaper. You know, like, but eventually all of these uh, blockchains, when they reach uh, their uh, their capacity, their gas prices will start spiking again because mm-hmm. at the end it's just an auction for gas. You know, if 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 your blocks aren't full, then it makes sense for the for the blocks to be cheap. You know, like the transaction fees to be cheap. But once they're full, people are going to start competing. That, that's when the mechanisms start kicking in. And so that what, what I want to teach people is just, just know that these blockchains eventually will start spiking in gas in gas prices and they will not be as decentralized as Ethereum at that point. Mm-hmm. So what Ethereum is doing is that it's modular in a way that you have the Ethereum L1, which is scaling to some extent, but it's not compromising the centralization and the decentralization and security. It, what, it, what else is doing is prioritizing these two and using so-called L2s to scale further. And so what L2s are, there are um, platforms or networks that use cryptographic proofs, uh, different different types of cryptographic cryptographic proofs, either fraud proofs or validity proofs, in order to ensure that transactions are valid, submitting all of the, instead of doing all the computation on-chain as Ethereum does with the EVM, you do the computation off-chain, you generate a proof, right? A proof of the transactions that happen, and you verify that these that these transactions are valid. Once you have this verification, you submit this proof to Ethereum mainnet, and then the the smart contract on Ethereum mainnet verifies that this is valid. And once it's valid, it commits the state changes to the to the mainnet, right? And so that's that's sort of how it works, right? You can scale a lot more this way because you don't have to do all of the computation on chain, and so this. This allows for a lot more scalability without compromising any of the security guarantees that Ethereum provides. So that's sort of how I see the future of Ethereum scaling. Yeah. Right? You have platforms like Arbitrum, Optimism, which are optimistic rollups, also Boba and Metis, which also fall on this, under this contract category. Then you have uh, zero knowledge rollups. Mm-hmm. Uh, these rollups utilize zero knowledge proofs, which are uh, a very fancy. Um, Mathematical, uh, very fancy mathematic, mathematical like cryptographic proof that uh, enables you to directly verify that a state transition is valid. And yeah. uh, I loved your article on this. It was it was great. Yeah. I remember reading it, and uh, you you give a really good rundown on how L two works in terms of projects and what they're doing and their own pros and cons. And that was great. I mean, thank you for writing that too. That was yeah, educational for me. I got a lot of amazing feedback on that. Like I submitted the tweet with the article uh, like six days ago. And since then I've gotten like 1,500, like 1,500 new followers wow. just from the article. Yeah, That's awesome. I just like doubled my my followers and just like just from the article alone, it's, it's insane. That's amazing. That's the thing is like a lot of this is if you put in work and put in good quality content out there, people will recognize yep. that and follow it and enjoy it. And that's why I'm glad to have you on here to... <laughs> <laughs> You know, talk about yourself and learn more about the person behind the article, person that's working so yep. hard to provide this good content. Because like you said, you grew up learning from other people online. And now yep. this is like your way of giving back to the community for other people to learn from yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, sort of, I didn't really talk about my um, ulterior motivation to the things that I'm doing currently, right? I was just mm-hmm. like saying, so I was interested, right? Curiosity, a lot of this was curiosity, but it was driven curiosity, yeah. right? I, I, I was trying to find the technology that fitted my profile of interest the most, whilst also enabling me to have a, the, the biggest positive impact that I could have. Mm-hmm. And so after, like, so I came up like with, with web development first, right? I didn't know anything else. 
Eventually, I discovered AI and ML, and I still find AI and ML very interesting and, and, and a big part of the, what the future uh, For sure. But uh, the, the thing with AI is very hard to make an impact, right? Because you're competing with the likes of Google, with the likes of Amazon, Facebook, all of these gigantic companies that own most of the data. And it's also very hard to contribute anything new because it's a, it's a space that's been researched uh, from the 1950s. Like from a computer science point of view, mm-hmm. like all, 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 like even Alan Turing, which was a, a very good computer scientist in the 40s in, in, the, in the past century, he was already talking about like, can we consider uh, a, a robot a human if we cannot tell the difference? This is like the Turing test. Yeah. Right? If if you cannot tell the difference between a human and a robot, is he really a robot? <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> probably argue that yeah. not not anymore because yeah. we're just. Yeah, just thoughts and processes. Yeah, so this space has been very well developed, especially from the academia space, mm-hmm. uh, right? Uh, academia has is, is on a very, very high level in terms of, of AI. So you would need to spend like 10 years just researching and learning about AI ML to contribute something new to the, to the field. Uh, like you have to have a PhD, do your thesis, and then research. You know, it's like very hard if you want to contribute that way. If you want to contribute from the, from the entrepreneurial point of view, you would have to con- compete with these gigantic companies, which is also not viable. And so when I arrived at blockchain, I felt, wow. Like there's so many things to be done, and like there's n- almost no one doing them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 a space that has a lot of capital, and there's a very big drawdown for talent. There's yeah. there's barely yeah, there's just like a few people that are able to build these protocols. And uh, I saw like wow, like this is very interesting. I can do pretty much anything. I can tap into any industry because it's very generic, right? You can build something that's in DeFi, so financial primitives. You can build NFT, so cultural primitives uh, or social primitives with like social tokens. It's just like very wide. You can target pretty much any industry with mm-hmm. with crypto. So that's sort of why I I, I uh, gravitated towards uh, blockchain and, and like crypto in general because it, it allowed me to contribute a, a lot more to humanity or like in general like to people, which is sort of the thing that drove me, like just helping people. Because like I, I always like felt really privileged from like childhood and everything. I was very like uh, my my parents always provided everything that I needed. You know, like I always had a house, everything. I I didn't struggle in my life like ever. So it, it's it's something that I feel that not many people have in this world especially if you consider how how big the population and and you also recognize that too some people have everything but they don't even recognize what they have so they don't get to grow from it yeah Uh, it's just like i've been exposed to this since since, you know like i'm half cuban right so like Mm -hmm. half of my family is from a very poor background and so uh, yeah i i've saw i've seen this like i've been there two times already and so that's sort of like what gave me this perspective. Like that's sort of like what expands your view, mm-hmm. where you see how how you are you have it better than other people. And if you consider countries like I don't know, like inner China, like innerland China, where there are farmers that just farm their entire lives and basically yeah. have enough for a living, or they're uh, slaves in a factory, or they're you know like struggling for food, and so many people that do not don't have like basic human necessities. And so like, it's just democratizing resources and making all of these processes more efficient uh, in crypto we call it slaying moloch okay. this is like moloch is this construct where it comes from christianity uh where like dave uh, is like this knight that slays moloch which is like this beast mm-hmm. and so moloch in in crypto terms is inefficiency anything that's inefficient whether it's market inefficiency whether it's coordination inefficiency like how you structure people to create something 
right? In companies, you have a lot of inefficiencies, right? But in DAOs, for example, there's a lot of problems which are solved. And so that's like, this is what drove me to blockchain the most. You can you can solve all of these inefficiencies to democratize resources for the entire planet, making everything accessible. And so long-term, that's sort of what I see this, this going, like just making everything available, whether it's social communication, resources, financial resources, just everything. Uh, and that's the uh, most, yeah, that's like the beautiful thing about blockchain in general is that it's solving all these issues and problems and giving the power back to the people. And like you said, there isn't enough people working on blockchain today. I mean, we're in a community, yeah. especially on crypto Twitter. Like that's what we live and breathe. So we think it's a little bit bigger than it really is, but it's not. There's still yeah, so much growth. Yeah, especially if you consider that many of the pro, pro, uh, many of the accounts on crypto Twitter are just alts of other people. On Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always people like the different projects and different alts just saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, my job here. <laughs> yeah, when I was in Lisbon, I I, I had like uh, thirteen hundred followers at the time, but like a hundred people recognized me there just from my from my like uh, when I, whenever I said my name, like my BC builder username, they they'd recognize it from Twitter. So like, how'd you feel like a celebrity? Crypto is small. Like how how do many so many people know me? It's like mm-hmm. why? It's like yeah, it felt <laughs> a lot smaller that, than than what I thought it was. That's that's I mean, amazing that um yeah. that you're growing so much in the community so fast. And I definitely want to ask one of the questions I always ask everybody is that you know what made you smile the most recently? Like a it doesn't have to be crypto related, but it could be. Like, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that the things that make me smile the most are just memes in general (laughs) (laughs) for example uh, yeah the latest thing that made me smile so you know uh, I have a friend from crypto twitter his name is Fiscantes so Mm -hmm. he's uh, a partner at Prime Capital which is a a VC fund and so recently he got COVID right and so he lost his sense of smile Mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking with a friend uh, about like uh, COVID and all of this stuff and we we posted a, a tweet that we didn't know how this thing smelled and I asked like I talked Fiscantes, you know. I think I saw that. <laughs> yeah, so he was very angry at, at that. Like, so he has this. He has these. Um, he, so he has his, his Twitter persona is Hisoka. Is it's it's um it's an anime character from, uh, from an anime called um, Hunter x Hunter, mm-hmm. and so he has. Pepega um, memes that are edited to look like Hisoka, okay. right? And so he posted this um, Hisoka Pepega that was very angry because he couldn't smell, <laughs> right? So that, that's sort of like the thing that made me smile the most like yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that you have such a strong community with, with your uh, Twitter uh, network. And yeah, just like, it's nice. It's nice to see that. And I love seeing it when I'm looking, scrolling through Twitter, seeing what you're up to. And seeing what everyone else is up to, like just the wholesomeness of it sometimes is like what I look for. Yeah, it's especially I lost a lot of a lot of social contact with with real humans. You know, it's like uh, I was especially during COVID, it's hard. Yeah, for two years I was I was allowed for for, for two years. Like I was at school at mm-hmm. university, but I've never been at the actual school. I, it was like oh wow, it was remote school, right? So I never met any of my classmates. That was one of yo. So I I, I didn't say actually that I quit university. Uh, oh in january so after the first semester i was like oh this is so bad you know i cannot even see my friends everything is remote and i see all of these people in crypto you know like the market is going up so bitcoin just broke like 20k mm-hmm. in december right we broke the the previous all-time highs and so it was like wow everything is happening so fast i feel like i'm missing out i feel like if i were working more in in in, in the report I, i'd be able to you know like capitalize more on this learn yeah. more more 
right? So I was just like, had this big FOMO. I just decided to quit like on the spot. So I just like called my dad and said, I, I just... How do you take I, it? Yeah, He didn't take it well. Like, <laughs> yeah, was, like, I'd imagine. I, like, I just randomly called him like out of nowhere. Like he didn't expect this at all. And so, uh, yeah, he, it took like two weeks for him to calm down for a bit. And then I gave like a presentation on sort of what of the things that are, I want to do and look moving forward. And after I gave that uh, presentation, he was understanding and he saw, sort of saw the same things that he went through when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But uh, in before, like, like, you know, like 20 years ago, it was much more important to have a degree that it, than it yeah, is now, for sure. especially if you consider IT, like IT doesn't require uh, a lot of credentials that are formal credentials. It's all proof nowadays. of work for IT. Yeah, yeah. yeah proof of work, but uh, <laughs> proof of good help. Yeah. <laughs> proof of code, right? So yeah, like after I, I presented all of this evidence, uh, he he was more understanding. And now it's very supportive. And he's very supportive. You know, like he sees that I'm doing what I love. I'm traveling to places, meeting people I like. You know, that's the so- thing, exactly. Because yeah, for me, college was mostly um, meeting people, networking, yep. getting connections to advance my future advance my career educationally it was good i mean i learned things but i always like you know the teacher taught me some stuff then i went back online to youtube to learn in a different way so it's like internet taught me things in college was a really good network Mm -hmm. university was really good network. especially i had the background you know like learning on khan academy mit Mm -hmm. open course where you know i I already knew like 90 percent of the things that i learned i was learning at university i already knew because i had to learn them for for uh the ai ml things that i was doing Right. So a lot of the math, I already knew, like discrete mathematics, linear algebra, they were just like uh, just uh, relearning the same things. And I felt like, wow, so I'm here. I'm not learning anything new. Uh, I'm not meeting any of my friends. I cannot leave my house. Uh, I'm feeling bad because I have to wake up each day. You know, like it's dark. I have to I have to learn from my own room. I don't leave my house. And this is very depressing, right? I also had like some personal issues at the time where my girlfriend left me, you know, so it was like I was I was very sad. Yeah. And so I that. just saw crypto like going on and I had all my friends in crypto. So it's like, it's like it doesn't make sense for me to be in university anymore. So I just quit and you know, like that's sort of how I went full time. I just quit and, and started doing my own thing fully full time in crypto. That's amazing. And I'm I'm glad you are. I'm I'm glad um to have met you and yeah consider you as a friend too now so you got another one um and keep going man i, I love i love seeing what you're doing um i'm excited for you and your future and i really appreciate you spending time speaking with me today yeah it's, it's been amazing i also consider my friend you always like uh, comment on my post you know like every like, I, I loved uh about you the fact that you had wholesome crypto in your <laughs> name like i always thought about like wholesomeness as a whole you know yeah we need it yeah, yeah, we need it. Like we're, we're always like fighting, like being tribal, but we forget like the motive that we're we're in this to help people, right? Exactly. And, like being being comprehensive, you know, like uh, understanding each other, being uh, lenient and like sort of empathetic with, mm-hmm. with one another. Is sort of like what I liked from from your profile. Thank you so much, DC. I appreciate your time, and thank you for everyone else. My pleasure. See, See you guys. Bye.